Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer, and I'm the patient program's assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with our guest and reading some of our spectacular warrior stories today, I wanted to remind the listeners out there that I am going to be putting together more warrior stories episodes in the future as well. So if you would like me to read your story on air, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org with your stories of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey, or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. Submissions should be a few minutes long and in your own words. So for our show today, it is all about warriors. I wanted to allow other strong, courageous women to share some of their own cancer stories and how it has affected their lives. I am so fortunate to have this platform because I love to talk to others and share about myself. But today, I'm opening it up to my cancer sisters. I'm so excited to have one warrior here in person with me, and then I'm going to read a few other stories which will definitely inspire you. So my guest today is Michelle Kaplan. I met her through Breast Friends. Her journey began a bit before mine, so she was definitely an inspiration to me. Someone who had been through the weeds and come out on the other side, thriving and living her life to the fullest. Welcome, Michelle. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself today? Uh, Non-cancer, we'll get into that later. Yes. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me on, on this platform and giving me the opportunity to share my story um, it's so important. Um, so I am, let's see, I've lived in Portland, Oregon for almost 27 years. And um, I am uh, going to be 53 years old in September. Um, I'm married almost uh, 28 years and we have two children. Uh, we are going to be a divided house. One will be a senior at uh, University of Oregon and the other will be an incoming freshman at uh, Oregon State University. Oh, no, that is quite the rivalry to have in the house. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's um, it's 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 going to be fun. <laughs> it's funny. Sure. My, my husband is a huge Ducks fan and we always joke my son is 10 and but he has the engineering mind. And and, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's going to end up at OSU. And my husband's like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and here we are with, with one in each place, but it, it'll be fun. It's going to be, we're, we're very proud of both of them. Um, and we are, um, I work in the nonprofit world. I work at Congregation Neva Shalom and I'm uh, the, I am the director of uh, Congregant Connections. So my job is a little bit similar to yours in terms of uh, working with people and hearing people's stories and connecting people. And um, I, I love, I love what I do. It's, you know, the nonprofit world is never going to make us wealthy, but it gives so much back in other ways. And I I wouldn't be doing anything else. So, but I'm so, I'm so glad you're here today. And I have a funny story. So I'm not sure if you remember this. I had met you at the Breast Friends office previously and, you know, at workshops or something like that. But one of my most vivid memories of you is at the 2018 Breast Friends Gala. 
And I was volunteering at the checkout table, and that was my first time speaking on stage. You and a girlfriend stopped by to say hello and congratulate me. And God, you just look so beautiful and put together. And you had on this gorgeous black dress that showed off your cleavage. And somehow we got to start talking, and we started talking about nipple tattooing. And because I do remember, oh my goodness, <laughs> you have had this done. And in the foyer of the Multnomah Athletic Club, this swanky place where you go to have events, and it is a, a very expensive gym as well. But you showed me your beautiful nipples in the foyer of the club. And <laughs> I I was in awe of you because you you shared and were so confident and just were like, hey, I've been through my journey. I've gone through this part. This is what you have to look forward to. And Honestly, it it just, it really inspired me because I looked at you. I'm like, man, it gets better because look how happy she is and she's fun and, and she's sharing. And I, I just appreciated that so much. And and I mean, those of you out there in the breast cancer community, we know we show off our breasts a lot because, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because the newcomers have no idea what's going to happen. And so to be able to share that part of us, which Yes, it's very private, but it's something really important to our journeys. And I thank you just for being so honest and and sharing that with me because obviously I've never forgotten it. And when I was getting my own tattooing done, I thought of you and it, it made it easier to know that someone had gone through it and come out on the other side. So thank Absolutely. You. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, I, I, now that you bring it up, I totally remember it, but it was, um, it's always fun to hear you know, how, mm-hmm. how, how we inspire each other. So, yes. Well, tell us about your cancer story. So, yeah, so I, uh, let's see, uh, you know, I, my grandmother uh, had breast cancer um, and she was in her, she was, it was postmenopausal and my dad's sister uh, and my mom's sister, both also were um, breast cancer survivors and um, oh. both were postmenopausal. So I kind of knew that there was a chance uh, and I'm an Ashkenazic Jewish woman, and there was, there are the, unfortunately, there's a even bigger chance because of that, right. um, of, mm-hmm. of the, of that gene being passed down. So I always kind of had this feeling that there was always a possibility. I started checking early. I started doing mammograms early. Um, in October of 2015, I had my mammogram and everything was fine. No issues at all. Um, six, almost to the day, six months later, I had a checkup with my, um, my OB and I almost, and what, what I remember most about that day is that I almost didn't go because I was like, I'm too busy. I was working mm-hmm. I had at the time I was working at Nike and I was like, I have, I had too many things going on and I couldn't get out of the, out the door in time. And I, I was like this close to, to canceling. I didn't cancel. Thank God. Um, I went in and we're, we were about to have this whole conversation about uh, my periods were still like just really awful and out of control. And, I was about to have this whole conversation with her about what, what my options were and what next steps were mm-hmm. when she started doing the breast exam and her whole face just completely changed. Oh. And, and I kind of looked at her and I was like, she looked at me and she said, do you feel that? And I said, well, now that you mention it, yes, I do. Um, so to make a long story short, there were, mm-hmm. um, there were two tumors and a whole area on the side of, of my breast that was suspicious, mm-hmm. um, which was discovered through MRI, you know, the whole, the whole all the things, every, all the things that we all have to go through. Um, and so that was, uh, that was April of 2016. And, um, 
And on April 21st was when I got the call that, that it in fact was a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, it's kind of amazing how we don't forget these dates at all. I, exactly. Well, yeah, they're, they're kind of ingrained in our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally a month later, almost to the day, uh, May 26th, I had a double mastectomy. And in that time from April 21st to May 26th, we were doing, you know, researching and inter- talking to three different doctors and plastic surgeons and just trying to figure out what the best course of uh, options were for me. And it was, it was overwhelming. It was a lot of information. It was scary. Um, but my friends, uh, my friend, Spencer Rubin, uh, which this kind of leads into one of your other questions, I think, but my friend, Spencer Rubin um, suggested to me that I uh, connect with breast friends and he connected me with you guys. Cause he had um, done some work um, and was very familiar with the, with the organization and, he um, and uh, Yvonne called me and, mm-hmm. you know, the rest is history if Yvonne calls yes. you, right? So, <laughs> yes, then you're wrapped up in her arms and exactly. And we never exactly. let you go. Exactly. And um, so it was it was a that those first few months were really, really difficult. And um, it is uh, it's hard thinking about them because you a lot comes back from it. But it's also mm-hmm. it's also rewarding to think about it, knowing what. I went through, um, and during that period. So sure. Now I'm assuming you got tested. Do you have the BRCA genes? No. So I did did not have the gene. Ironically. Yeah. With your family history and your heritage. It's wow. That's a surprise actually. But the interesting thing is five years ago, there were markers that they were, um, there was a certain amount of uh, markers that they were doing. And now I think they've increased those. Um, so I, there's, I, I'm, I probably should get it done again, um, my dad actually recently, um, went through pro- prostate cancer. So I, there's, I know there are some mm-hmm. connections there. So there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there still is some, some gene in there that is responsible for this. Um, and it, it, it's just, a you know, it's something that I definitely need to still, I think need to explore, but my daughter came with me to those appointments mm-hmm. and it was, you know, that was, it was, it felt good to know that I didn't have the gene. So at least now exactly. she doesn't. Yeah. So, and it's, it's very interesting because I actually feel the same way. I, my paternal grandmother passed from metastatic breast cancer. She had it three times and we're, you know, we don't have that heritage, but I, I really feel like there's a lot of genes out there that they just, or, you know, markers or different things they haven't discovered yet because it's, exactly. it's so prevalent in, in many families and, you know, like, oh, well, I'm BRCA negative. Like, well, there's, there's something going on in there. But yeah, for sure. For you know, sure. Thank, thankful that you had gone into that appointment and discovered it because who knows where yeah. it would have been six months later. And Me I too. don't know about you, but I was not good about doing self exams. And Me either. No, I was not. And yep. honestly, even after I had a first occurrence, I rarely did it. I, I just, yeah. it just, it just left my head. I don't know why, but um, you yeah. Know, th- thankfully, both of mine were caught early on mammograms, so I'm very lucky. Yeah. But um, so let's talk a little bit about your family. Now, yes. I know at the time you had two teenage kids going through this and a very, devoted, yeah. very devoted husband, and you guys yeah. are super active and you travel and you do a lot of, you know, physical activities. But how did they fare through all this? Because it's not just the patient. Cancer affects everybody. It affects everyone. You know, it was interesting. I was just telling someone the story the other day. Um, Andrew, my youngest, was in eighth grade. And he... um, And an awful time anyway. (laughs) Awful time anyway, exactly. Mm -hmm. Middle school, 
about oh. to, you know, about, it was April. So, you know, he was about mm-hmm. to finish eighth grade and, and about to move over, you know, go into high school. And I um, remember um, picking him up from school that, that day on the 21st of April. And I said to him, I said, you know how mom's been having all these appointments and I've been a little bit, you know, not myself and et cetera. And he's like, yeah, I said, well, I said, the reason that all this is going on is because I, I have breast cancer. And, and I followed it by saying, but I'm going to be okay. Right. And his response was, okay. And he just kind of, <laughs> that was all he needed to hear. And he was done. Um, Jennifer was older. She was in high school. Um, I, she, she was, you know, I think she was nervous and scared, but they saw how I handled it. And I think, you know, were, were reassured, you know, because of how I was handling it. And I think because, I mean, I was very lucky and fortunate that I didn't have to go through chemo or radiation. Um, so there wasn't the physical, besides what happened with my breasts, which right. you can't see on the outside, um, there wasn't a physical uh, notice of, of, you know, what was going on. Right, and the physical manifestation of the hair loss and exactly. the exhaustion yeah. or the weight gain from the steroids right. and just the overall, yeah. you know, the, the hell that chemo and radiation right. exactly. really put you through. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a little bit easier, uh, I think, on them. But that's also hard and I, at the same time, because I think, um, our loved ones have a tendency to see, you know, everything is okay, but um, when truly it, 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 it's not, you know, it, it, it's not. <laughs> we're going through, there's a lot of inner turmoil going on there. Um, and my husband, I mean, he, he, I, I, I'm surprised he didn't get a speeding ticket on the April 21st because he, <laughs> he was at, he works at Intel and he was at work and I called him and he immediately heard it in my voice and he's like, okay, I'm coming home. And he, he raced home so fast. It was, it was mm-hmm. pretty unbelievable. And we just, you know, kind of jumped into action and he was, um, you know, he was, he was amazing. And he came with me to every appointment and took notes and um, incredibly supportive. And just, it was my rock uh, through it all. And continues I love to that. Be. Yeah. So I know that part of let's I'm moving on to your post-cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Good. So I know that you are a huge fan of orange theory fitness I am. and that it has been a really big part of your post-cancer life. So tell me about that. Um, so I joined there actually at the end of uh, 2015, beginning of 2016. And I had been there maybe what, four months when this diagnosis came. And I remember calling them because I had to cancel coming to a class because I was going in for this biopsy and the next, the next, that day, I think it was even that day, uh, flowers arrived from them. And it was like, oh my God, this, this, this group is like my family. They, they became my, my family. And I, they have, they were there from the beginning till now. And they've celebrated every year, either whether it's during breast cancer month, awareness month in October, or whether it's on one of my anniversary dates, they are there to help me to celebrate those, those milestones. And, you know, with, for those people who are familiar with orange theory, you have to, you know, there's certain things you can do and you can't do, and you have to modify. And they were always, all of the coaches were just right there with me, helping me figure out what I, how I can do it and how I can modify it and how I can keep, keep pushing along. And it is, um, it was so good for my mental health and it still is. I mean, well, really, and having really, that really support is. network is huge. Oh, it was incredible. And people there encouraging you and say, you can do this and you, you can really do it. And um, yep. I love seeing your posts. I know they've done fundraisers for you they as have. well. They've to, been wonderful. 
And yeah. you are also, a, you've also been a huge fundraiser for the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure. Um, I know yeah. the few times that I had gone pre-COVID, your name was all over the place. It's like, yeah. oh, and Michelle Kaplan's team and Michelle Kaplan's team. So how did you get involved in that? Um, I think what happened was uh, the, the, I always have done the, the walks, you know, even, you know, for, the, for as long as we've lived here. Over the years, I've done them off and on. And um, I am part of a, one of the things that I'm, uh, that's a big part of my life is B'nai B'rith Camp, which is a uh, Jewish camp that is open to mm-hmm. the community. It's on the, on the Oregon coast. And we have a women's weekend that's called Rejuvenation. And every year the, the weekend is sometime in the fall, depending on the Jewish holidays. And that particular year, that first year, it fell uh, right um, when the walk was happening. I was like, I, you know, this is my first walk as a survivor and I wanted to be part of it. And how could I, you know, I was trying to figure out how to do it. So I basically took, took that opportunity and did it at, at the camp and did a walk just with, a, with the small group of, uh, you know, there were mm-hmm. 80 people there or whatever. Um, and it kind of, just it kind of grew from there and it i i I think i kind of got competitive with myself to be honest um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and raising the money um and it just it was really it was really gratifying and and my daughter actually last summer interned with them before they kind of shut everything down um she had the opportunity to intern with them and to hear people's stories and to share stories and so i feel like it it kind of it went full circle it was a really um, wonderful, um, wonderful experience. So. I love that. I've actually been to the camp facility. My son has gone to a summer camp there oh, for, good. for Camp Kesem. Yes, and exactly. We, yes. We're actually just camping there this weekend at the KOA right by there. And he's like, when can I go back to Camp Kesem? Because um, that camp facility is so amazing. So It's wonderful. Just, and they've yeah. got a lot of big changes there. And my daughter actually volunteers with Camp Kesem too. So it's, uh, it's really been. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what's, what's her Kesem name? Can you share? Oh, gosh. Oh, I, I can't remember. That's okay. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm going to have to ask her now. I can't remember. No worries. Um, we've only got a couple minutes left yeah, for you, but I wanted to know, do you have a silver lining from your cancer journey? You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think my silver lining is um, uh, two things. One is not taking things the way I, how serious you take things, certain things that are happening in your life. It's mm-hmm. all relative. Um, I think it just kind of puts it into perspective. Um, and the other piece is it's, given me an opportunity and a platform to to be an advocate for other women mm-hmm. and to share my story like I am right now with you and in any other format that I can. Um, it is, it's really given me the confidence to be able to do that. And from the very beginning, I had a Caring Bridge page and everyone always said, you know, how, how open I was about everything, but it was the only way I knew how to go I'm through that process mm-hmm. it was to be able to share exactly what was going on from the, from from day one until, you know, until now. And it, it, it's really, it's been remarkable. It's been a really amazing. Um, and I, we, I actually have a, a friend who's having surgery on Monday and another Marianne, my friend Marianne and I met with uh, this new, this new uh, soon to be survivor um, uh, the other day. And we, it was just, it was like, we just kind of going through our lists and giving her all the tools that she needed. And it's important. And it, I, it, it's, it's, I feel like it's how I continue to process what it, yeah. what happened for myself. Yeah. We've taken awful situations and made them super positive. So yeah. my last question, how was faith a part of your recovery? Oh gosh. Uh, faith definitely. It was a big part of my recovery. Um, I belong to the, the synagogue where I work now at Nevis Shalom and um, our um, clergy and our staff and our 
and I wasn't working here at the time. So they, mm-hmm. every, they were incredible. This community rallies around, we rally around all, you know, our, our community, we rally around each other and it, mm-hmm. they were amazing. Um, and actually in April of, tw- I'm sorry, February, 2017, uh, John and I, um, host, we, um, chaired the fundraiser for the synagogue to, for the very reason to give back to the community because we felt so, so grateful for everything that we had gotten from this community and we wanted to get back. So I um, love that. Yeah. So it, it's been a very huge part. Um, there's actually a prayer that one that, that is said when you are coming back from having a, an, an illness um, and you like step back into the sanctuary for the first time. And um, I happened to be here on that day and the rabbi asked if I wanted to do that prayer. And I was like, okay. And I had no idea how emotional it would be. It was really mm-hmm. um, overwhelming. So it's, it plays a huge part and it continues to for sure. I love that, Michelle. Thank you so much for yeah, being here thank today. You. We're going to wrap it up, but I just, yeah. it's uh, one thing that I really take from your story is find those groups that give you the support you need, whether it's your yeah. faith, your physical activities, a support group, your family, and, and you have taken that and just turned it into an, an amazing opportunity to give back. And that's yeah. so wonderful. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Today. you are quite a warrior and I thank am you. honored to know you and be your friend. Likewise. Likewise, Michelle. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to michelleback at breastfriends.org. Now, 
back to the show. Welcome back to our program. This is Michelle Breck. Michelle Beck. I can't even say my name some days. I am now going to share a story of a woman who's very special to me. She's the definition of a warrior and is currently training for a half marathon while being a very busy wife, mom of two girls, and a great friend to so many. Robin wrote this chapter for a book called Waves of Pink 2, Common Ground, Uncommon Courage. It's a collection of real-life stories written by women diagnosed with breast cancer. It's available on Amazon, so if you want to read more stories like hers, please check it out. Let's get started on The Warrior Story by my friend Robin. I sometimes cannot believe it happened to me that I was the one on the receiving end of a phone call hearing, you have cancer. It felt like time stood still just for a moment. I was on the outside watching this happen to someone else. And then it hit me that it was me. I was the one with cancer. I was only 35 at the time I was diagnosed, too young for regular mammograms. I was in my annual exam with my nurse midwife when she felt a lump in each of my breasts. She thought they were cysts, but sent me in for a mammogram anyway. After multiple doctors said their gut instincts had saved my life. The biopsy determined a couple days later that I had stage two invasive ductal carcinoma in my right breast that was growing at an 80% proliferation rate. This is how quickly a cancer cell copies its DNA and divides it into two cells. The higher the number, the more aggressive it is. The lump in my left breast was benign. I remember being on the phone with the doctor who had done my biopsy, thinking that I literally had no idea what to do now. Was I supposed to call someone or go somewhere? My mind was racing, but felt completely blank at the same time. Thankfully, the doctor told me she would get things started, and she referred me to two different breast surgeons, and within a couple of hours, both offices had reached out to schedule an appointment. From that point on, everything was a whirlwind. After I decided on a surgical oncologist, it was post-surgery, chemo class, pick up meds, tell people, research side effects. In the middle of all that, my husband, Ryan, and I had to figure out how to tell our two daughters that their mom had breast cancer and that life was going to change drastically. Our daughters were 7 and 10 at that time. We never wanted them to feel left out or not a part of what was happening, so we were very honest with them about my illness and how chemo would make me sick. Our younger daughter didn't fully understand what it all meant, but our older one did, and she took it hard. But we stressed that we would get through this if we all supported each other. Our friends and family did not miss a beat, and we were immediately wrapped with prayer, messages, meals, childcare, and anything else we could think of. No one should have to walk a cancer diagnosis alone, and we are so grateful for our community and how they carried us when it was hard to move on our own. About two weeks after my diagnosis, I had my first round of chemotherapy. The cancer was characterized as triple positive, ERPR-HER2 positive. So I was given the combination TCHP, Taxol, Carboplatin, Herceptin, and Pergetta. Those are a lot of big words. I was prescribed six rounds of chemo given every three weeks. All things considered, I handled the first and second rounds of chemo well. I was fatigued, nauseous, and my mouth lost all of its taste buds, but I was not overly sick. 
I had heard horror stories of how sick other patients had become with chemo, so I was very thankful. One memory that will always be special for our family was the day I decided it was time to shave my hair. It had begun falling out in clumps exactly two weeks after my treatment, and I knew I needed to take control of it rather than feel pain and loss every time I saw my hands full of hair. My husband and daughters took turns cutting my short hair and then finally shaving it. We laughed and cried together, and my girls and I spent time trying on the different head coverings I had bought. In the end, the act of shaving my head was difficult, but also empowering. My bald head was a symbol of what I was going through, and I wore it proudly. Then things got a little rough after my third round of chemo. I thought I was doing well. It was spring break, and we took our daughters to a Broadway show and then had plans to head up to our family's vacation home at Mount Hood. However, after the show, my heart just didn't feel right. It was beating too quickly and irregularly. I was advised to head to the closest ER, and I was admitted just minutes after arriving. They did a battery of tests, but were unable to diagnose what was going on. However, because I was currently going through chemo, they decided to keep me for observation. Over the next couple of days, I was put through every heart and stress test they could think of. The only conclusion was that I was having a bad reaction to the Nulasta shot, which helps keep white blood cells from dropping. I received after each chemo, and they put me on beta blockers. This seemed to do the trick, and I was able to complete my last three rounds of chemo without any incident. Now it was time for surgery. One of the many things I've learned is that there are many types of breast cancer, and along that line, many different treatment plans. My triple positive cancer was one of the most aggressive, which means chemo first with the goals of stopping it from spreading while also trying to shrink the tumors before surgery. One of the benefits to this was the extra time it gave me to research and decide what kind of surgery I would have, lumpectomy versus mastectomy. I had also learned at the beginning of this journey that I was positive for a genetic mutation called RAD50. This gave me a higher predisposition for both breast and ovarian cancers. Because of this, my doctors and I decided on a bilateral mastectomy as my surgery choice. I had my last round of chemotherapy at the end of May, and I was given a few weeks to rest and recover before surgery, which thankfully lined up with a family trip to Hawaii. What a wonderful time that was. We celebrated, rested, and tried our best to leave our cancer cares back at home. My mastectomy surgery and recovery went well. My husband was my rock. He tracked my pain medications, made sure I ate, helped me move around, and charted my drain output. That is true love. At the end of my mastectomy, it was not known if I would need radiation, so my reconstruction was delayed, and I was given expanders in the meantime. If you want to know what it feels like to have breast expanders, just imagine two rocks strapped to your chest. They are hard and uncomfortable, but have an important job to do. Unfortunately, about four months after the mastectomy, one of my expanders became infected. I was extremely sick and ended up in the hospital for three days before they decided to remove the expander clean out the area, and replace it with a new one. Thankfully, that worked, and I had no other issues with the expanders. The findings after the mastectomy was that the cancer had not spread to my 
to my lymph nodes, so radiation was not needed. However, I did have residual cancer left. The goal is a 100% response rate to the chemo, so I started a new kind of chemo called Kydesilla. I looked that name up and I can't remember how to pronounce it. The typical regimen for Kydesilla is an infusion every three weeks for 14 rounds. After my third round, my eyes had an allergic reaction that caused me to begin to lose my eyesight. This was caught quickly, thankfully, and I was taken off that medication. I was put back on the previously prescribed regimen of Herceptin and Progetta, which is targeted therapy for a year. In between my mastectomy and delayed reconstruction, I had a total hysterectomy. This was done prophylactically due to the genetic mutation. It has been a struggle to go into surgical menopause overnight at the age of 36. I feel you, sister. The menopause system symptoms started up almost immediately, but I've been working with a naturopath who has me on supplements to help combat the symptoms, which have helped a lot. After a ton of research, I opted for a deep flap reconstruction, deep inferior epigastric perforators. Now that's a mouthful. This is a macro, microvascular surgery that lowers, uses lower abdominal tissue, skin, and fat as the donor tissue instead of implants. It's a 10 to 12-hour surgery that requires a night in the ICU for careful monitoring and several more nights on the surgical recovery floor. Reconstruction is a very personal decision, and after a lot of careful thought and conversations, I decided that this was best for me. I was scheduled to have my deep flap in March 2020, just a few weeks after the world started to shut down due to COVID-19. As hospitals began to cancel non-emergent surgeries, I learned that my two had been canceled. I understood why, but was devastated. This surgery was meant to mark the end of the biggest part of my cancer journey, and I was anxious to have it completed. Also, I was desperate to have those expanders removed. Since I was one of the first surgeries to be canceled, I was lucky to be later one of the first ones to be rescheduled. In August, I had my long-awaited deep flap surgery. It took 12 hours in total and went off without a hitch. The first night in the IC was rough as the nurse had to check the flaps every 30 minutes, not giving me much opportunity for sleep. Thankfully, this only lasted for the first 24 hours and then the frequency of checks decreased to every hour for another 24 hours and then eventually every couple hours. The hard part about this type of reconstruction is that it involves two major surgical sites. I was not able to use my arms to move myself around and I had lost all use of my abdominal muscles as well. The next day, I learned quickly that the daytime ICU nurse, nurse was no nonsense and determined to show me that I was still able to move on my own. She helped me out of the bed for the first time since surgery and got me sitting in a chair. When it came time to transfer me out of the ICU into a patient recovery room and the patient transporter arrived with the wheelchair, the nurse would not allow me to sit in it. Instead, she insisted that I walk. So walk I did all the way to my new room across the entire hospital from one end to the other. Not only did she show me that I was able to walk that far, but I became famous for it. Over the next three days, every nurse that came into my room said they had heard about how I had walked all the way from the ICU. 
My last surgery was four months after the first part of the reconstruction. Deep flap is a multi-step process with at least two revisions. By this time, I was experiencing major surgery fatigue. It is hard to stop life for a surgery and spend weeks healing only to start over. I asked my plastic surgeon if there was any way he could combine the two revisions, which he agreed to do. It made for a longer surgery and tougher recovery, but I'm very thankful to say that after two years of surgeries and treatments, there are no more on the horizon. For now, I will continue taking an aromatase inhibitor for the next five to seven years and will receive an infusion of Zometa every six months. These medications work to keep my bones strong, both to resist a recurrence from happening and to prevent osteoporosis from settling in. Exercising through treatment. I have always been an athlete and exercise has long been a part of my daily routine. In the beginning, I committed to myself that if I couldn't do anything else, I would at least go for a walk every single day. And walk I did. There were some days where I could only make it to the mailbox and back, but as I regained my strength after each procedure, I saw my walks grow in length. When I was strong enough, I would work my way back to my normal exercise routines. I'm so thankful that for the most part, I recovered from my treatments and surgeries quickly. I attribute that to the fact that every day, if I couldn't do anything else, I at least got up and out for a short walk. On the day of my diagnosis, my younger brother committed to me that as soon as I would healthy, I was healthy, we would complete a half Ironman together, something that had long been on my bucket list. I'm now registered for a race later this year in Arizona, and I'm officially training. It will be a huge goal completion, and I can't wait to have my family there cheering me on. I'm excited to do something after cancer that I've never done before to prove that not only is cancer not going to defeat me, but that I will come back stronger than ever. What comes next? I think that all cancer survivors know that cancer is never over in the true sense of the word. Yes, active treatment and surgeries have ended. Yes, I've been declared NED. Thank you, Jesus. But cancer will always be a nagging thought in the back of my mind. Does that new pain mean that the cancer has metastasized? It will always be my reality that I could face a recurrence. And I will always be dealing with the long-term effects from the treatments and surgeries. However, I am grateful for every day that I get to wake up and be a wife and mom. I'm thankful that I get to continue to watch my girls grow older. I'm grateful for how cancer pulled us closer together as family. I'm grateful for the women I've met along the way, each with their own unique story that has bonded us into a tribe of warriors. She is clothed in dignity and strength and can laugh without fear of the future. Proverbs 31, 25. Robin, thank you so much for sharing your amazing story with us. I love you, and I'm so proud of you. Stay tuned. We'll be back for a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. I'm Michelle Beck, and I am honored to share these stories of my fellow warriors. Next up is a woman named Anne. She is a 44-year survivor. Let's give her a collective woohoo! Here is Anne's story. I was diagnosed in 1977 at the age of 33 with stage 2 metastatic breast cancer. This prognosis was dismal to say the least. I was diagnosed in February and the prognosis was that I would be gone by Memorial Day. My husband Paul and I had two small children at the time, ages four and seven, and we had just been married eight years. I began treatment in March of 1977 with 36 chemo treatments. Fortunately, no radiation. Side note, you can tell how much things have changed in this time period. She had 36 chemo treatments. Ladies, think about that. Quite the warrior. Okay, back to Anne's story. In 1978, I had a subcutaneous mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. I had implant surgery, but unfortunately, they had to be replaced three different times. My body just did not like anything foreign invading it. Ultimately, I had everything removed and began wearing a mastectomy bra 
and prosthesis. I always look perky. Here I am 44 years later, and in May, I celebrated my 78th birthday. I got to watch my children grow and get married and make me a grandma, the most beautiful word in the English language. My hubby Paul and I will celebrate 53 years of marriage this fall. There was no history of breast cancer in my family. I was the first and there haven't been any since. Who would have thought that at age 33, with no family history, I would receive this diagnosis? In the case of breast cancer, size doesn't matter. My lump, if you want to call it that, was the size of a pea and very close to the surface of the skin. You could actually see and feel it. When I went to see the surgeon, I wasn't going because of this little growth. I was actually considering breast enhancement, but ended up taking this little detour. In 2000, I founded Pink Ribbon Society Incorporated to help support the many men and women in our community whose lives have been touched by breast cancer. Becky Olson, co-founder of Breast Friends, was actually a speaker at our Breast Cancer Awareness Tea in September 2003. We became breast friends after that. Because of Pink Ribbon Society, I have been blessed to have met so many men and women who have struggled with the diagnosis of breast cancer. Pink Pink Ribbon works very hard to promote the prevention of breast cancer and the importance of early detection. If a patient should actually receive a diagnosis of breast cancer, we are here to help them as they begin their journey to becoming breast cancer survivors. And thank you much for sharing and starting the Pink Ribbon Society to help other women. You are such an inspiration, 44 year survivor. Let's just take a moment to let that sink in. Amazing. Next up, I'm going to share the story of a woman named Tracy, who I have known since we were in high school last year. Ha! Just kidding. We did not hang in the same circles, but we knew each other. And two years ago, at our 30-year class reunion, we reconnected over our shared cancer bond. And I'm thrilled to tell her story here to you. She is quite a warrior and I applaud her every day for taking what happened and making the best out of it. Here's Tracy's story. I was diagnosed in 2018 with stage 2C ovarian cancer. It was quite a scary diagnosis. I thought that was it for me. Ovarian cancer is one of the deadliest cancers in women and usually has a very low survival rate. So getting told those words, ovarian cancer, said to me was absolutely devastating. However, I will say I consider myself a warrior. I always have been. I'm a fighter and knew that part of me would eventually kick in, and so it did. I knew God and I knew his word. Jeremiah 29, 11, 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Hope in a future is really what we need as cancer patients, and Tracy had that in spades. The cancer does not own me, nor does it define me. I do not consider myself a cancer patient any longer. It is gone, and I believe in that wholeheartedly. I will never take ownership of the C word. It came, and it left. God Almighty was always there, guiding me and leading me. The diagnosis was a blessing in disguise. I am so grateful that the cancer was found at an early stage. I had blood clots to my lungs, which thankfully didn't kill me either. I feel like God could have brought me home to heaven many times, but this wasn't it. I had severe lung pain, and I went to the urgent care and thankfully had a doctor who wouldn't stop trying to figure out what was wrong with me. She did everything and anything to figure out why I was coughing up blood. At the last minute, she decided, let's do one more test. And she had me drive quickly to a diagnostic center to get a CT scan. Then, after the scan, I went home only to receive a phone call from her that I had clots in my lungs, my kidney, and my spleen. I was a ticking time bomb. We got to the hospital, and they tried to figure out why I was clotting. Test after test, they finally found a tumor the size of a grapefruit in my ovaries. Since I had blood clots, surgery wasn't going to be easy, so they had to schedule me to put a stent in my artery. If it wasn't for those blood clots, my cancer would never have been found. I was in the hospital for 30 days, and this also was a blessing. My daughter went every Wednesday to a bar called Borderline to go dancing. This was her thing. And well, she didn't go the night of November 7th, 2018, and that was the night of the Borderline Bar and Grill shooting. Side note. On this night, there was a mass shooting in a beloved country dance bar 15 minutes from our hometown. Twelve lives were lost that night, and 16 others were injured. Had I not been diagnosed with the blood clots, nor been in the hospital, my beautiful daughter might not be here today. I am so grateful she was sitting by, that, by my side caring for me the night the shooting took place. My diagnosis affected me in so many other ways. I used to sweat the small stuff, and now I have learned to stay calm and stop and smell the roses. I don't waste much of my time being bothered with anything that I don't find important. Also, as for relationships, I keep myself surrounded by the people that are drama-free, and that make me happy. Before I was diagnosed, I had a lot of sadness and animosity going on. I had lost both of my parents within eight months of each other, and I was struggling with a relationship with my brother concerning the estate of my parents. My daughter was also in 
an abusive relationship. All of these things, I believe, made me weak and allowed for the cancer to grow inside me. I needed to find peace after having such a hard year. And that is how I am living now. I've changed a lot. I'm calmer. I take my vitamins. And I'm also a vegan. Once in a while, I eat some cheese. Because who doesn't love cheese? But the diagnosis of ovarian cancer, to me, is in the past. And I don't consider it to be a punishment I had to endure. I consider it to be learning and growing a new stage of my life. I am stronger, wiser, and happier since going through it all. The clots and the chemo definitely scared me for life. I won't ever be the same, but I trust in God's plan for me, so I know I was supposed to have gone through this. I'm not always sure the reason, but the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. Proverbs 3, 5-6 Thank you, Tracy. I am so honored to share your story. And I, I'm going to share a little something from when we connected at the class reunion two years ago. And also, I'm so thankful that our class reunion was 2019 and not 2020. COVID. But I had heard about your cancer. And we weren't Facebook friends yet, I don't think. But we maybe had seen each other's posts through various things. And when I saw you, you you still had your short post-chemo hair. And on you, it looked like a beautiful buzz cut. And you were on the dance floor with your husband, who is one of the de- most devoted husbands and fathers I could ever want and hope for for you. Kyle, you could tell he was your rock and is your rock. But... You and he were on the dance floor, and the smile on your face was so amazing. And I came up to you, and we hugged, and we connected, because you can sense a fellow warrior. And I knew that you were. And so when I was doing this story, I'm so thankful that you decided to submit so I could share it, because I want to honor the women that I know who have become strong warriors and taken something so horrible as cancer. And... It changed their life completely for the better. So thank you for that. Ladies, warriors out there, please send me your stories. Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. I'm hoping to do this kind of episode quarterly because connection and sharing is so important for our group. Hearing, oh my gosh, I went through that. I know what's going on. This happened to me too. I would love to share your story. So please send me what you got. Oh, thank you all so much for listening today and honoring these warriors. Michelle Kaplan, thank you for being here today. So much fun to see you and connect with you again. And to Robin, Anne, and Tracy for allowing me to honor you and share your warrior stories. If you or a loved one need our services, please visit www.breastfriends.org You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 
to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Our show is available across many platforms on Voice America or search Breast Friends wherever you find your podcasts. Again, if you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest to share your story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.